So it's been around a week since the UK introduced new Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the country remains standing along with its institutions like the National Health Service. All joking aside, these are the things that critics have feared are at stake under a leader accused of being all jokes, gaffes and even charm, but not so much substance. But is that a fair characterization with Iran issues under his nose and Brexit on the near horizon. Let's first hear from Professor Christopher Stafford from the School of Politics and International Relations at the University of Nottingham. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for having me. And how's the atmosphere been over the last few days? Uh, If we believe what we see online, we might think the whole country's been in uproar uh, and not in favour of this Prime Minister. Does he have a a silent majority of people quietly backing him? What's your feeling? Uh, he, de- he definitely uh, he definitely has his supporters. Obviously, he's, he's very popular with uh, Conservative Party members. Uh, obviously, that's why he uh, why he won the leadership election. Uh, but he definitely has a, a large number of detractors. And the uh, the most recent opinion polls that I've seen, he's he's probably more popular than you might expect. But he's certainly the the undecided voters are still quite numerous. So I think uh, he's still got a lot of work to do to if he wants to try and win the next election, at least anyway. Well, I was curious about that, and it's a very hypothetical question, but if there was a general election right now, it it kind of reminds me of the situation with President Trump in the United States. There might be a lot of vocal opposition, but it's difficult to know who exactly would beat him. Is there anyone obvious who would beat Boris Johnson in a general election right now? At at the moment, I I don't really see anyone. Obviously, Jeremy Corbyn, uh, the leader of the the main opposition party, the Labour Party, uh, he would he would normally be the, the the front runner, but he's actually, according to the opinion polls, at least he's he's a quite a bit less popular than Johnson. Uh, he's, he's dealing with a few few issues with his party and, and the membership right now, so he he doesn't look at the moment like a credible contender. The new the new Liberal Democrat leader, sort of the the third party here, she's she seems quite popular. She's definitely picking up momentum, but as I said, they are they are the third party, so the chances of her beating Boris outright, or the Conservatives outright at least, I think, are, are fairly slim. You, you would almost think that a, a snap election might be a wise move for him under the current circumstances, maybe a bit risky, uh, but uh, when do we expect to see a, a next election? Uh, it depends uh, how... I say it depends how the EU uh, negotiations go, although I don't think there will be any more negotiations. So uh, he's either, he's either going to want to call an election before the end of October, hoping that, um, you know, before uh, before Brexit happens, he can maybe convince the public that the future's bright um, before it perhaps isn't. Um, if not, he might want to try and hang on as long as he can uh, before he's, he's legally obliged to call the election and hope that uh, between, between leaving the European Union and that election, he manages to increase his standing with the public. Yeah, because yeah, it, it's almost before or much after this Brexit situation then. Um, I... But if he did it before, it would turn into another Brexit vote. There is that possibility. Uh, the, the Labour Party have cautiously moved towards supporting the second referendum and potentially remaining uh, in the European Union. I say most of the other smaller parties, with the exception of the Brexit Party, obviously they're uh, they're also kind of pushing for remain in another referendum. Uh, so yes, if if a general election called any time soon, it probably would be a, a proxy vote for for you know another referendum can we just clarify is brexit still a, a certainty under prime minister johnson 
I think I think it unless uh, unless he unless his government sort of is, is toppled by by Parliament and and uh, you know new government forms or there is a general election. I think uh, Johnson he's 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 got the job he's got because he's promised to get Britain out by by the end of October. So I think he's he really has even if he, if he was ever going to waver on it, he really has no choice but to do it if, for his own career, if nothing else. And and that would mean a no deal if the EU refuses to negotiate? I think yes, and I think uh, and the EU have been pretty pretty clear for a long time now that the, the deal on offer is is the best they're willing to give. So I, I think a no deal is, is very likely in that instance. Uh, fitting then with the Halloween Brexit date <laughs> set <laughs> yes, for us. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, generally speaking, he's got other uh, foreign policy issues uh, on his plate to, to deal with. He can't be entirely distracted by Brexit. How serious is this um, Iran connection to Britain right now? It, I mean, it's, uh, it, is, it is serious, but I think it is actually, obviously depending on uh, which circles you move in, but I think for the most part the Brexit issue is actually dominating more or less everything. The, the issue with Iran is, is definitely in the background understand so there's not really much else going on with with foreign policy um but what about uh the, the u.s relationship which is very much in the backdrop of brexit too because obviously um if there's any kind of silver lining or if there's any hope outside of brexit it, it would be perhaps this relationship with the u.s potentially yes and there are a lot, a lot of those pushing for the the no deal brexit are sort of quite atlanticist in their in their outlook so um, a, tra- a trade deal with the U.S. would definitely be a, a big plus, especially if there is a no deal and if you know if the economic forecasts are correct, then uh, it, that probably won't be too good for the economy. So, getting getting a trade deal with the U.S. would certainly mitigate that financially and, and politically. We talk a lot about President Trump here in this part of the world and his relationships with mm-hmm. leaders. Do you think it's a genuine relationship between him and Boris Johnson? Uh, to be honest, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure on that. To be honest, I think there's definitely um, there's very, they they have quite similar uh, tactics, shall we say? But I don't know personality-wise. I think they're very different people. Um, but I think I think Johnson knows that, as, as I said earlier, I think that, you know being on America's good side and getting a, a good trade deal um, is probably important for the, the country and Johnson's survival in, in the case of a No Deal Brexit. So um, I think it's probably genuine intent on Johnson's part, at least. Professor Stafford, thank you again for joining us. Great to have you on the line. No problem, thank you. Um, So we hear there from Professor Christopher Stafford from the University of Nottingham. We can now welcome on the line Professor Catherine Barnard, EU Law, the Faculty of Law, University of Cambridge. Uh, Thank you for joining us. Pleasure, very nice to talk to you. So we've been talking already about this situation, a no-deal Brexit looking perhaps the most likely option at this point if the EU refuses to negotiate further and if Prime Minister Johnson is to stick to his guns. Do you see any way out? It's increasingly hard to see what way out there is. Um, uh, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, is adopting an increasingly hard line. He says he won't talk to the EU unless the EU drop their demands about the backstop and the backstop, you'll recall, is the insurance policy um, about the Northern Ireland border. And the EU's made it abundantly clear that they won't drop their demand about the backstop because for them, the Northern Ireland border 
and uh, the issues concerning peace in Northern Ireland as embodied in the Good Friday Agreement um, is really important to them. And so Boris Johnson is setting himself up to probably deliberately for a fall and he's going to blame the EU because he will say, look, I tried to negotiate and the EU wouldn't shift. They are intransigent, they're inflexible. But if there was a, a referendum now, even those, uh, the, the narrow majority who were in favour of, of Brexit, uh, presumably many of them would not have been in favour of a no-deal Brexit. It, it's, uh, of course, there are people who advocate for it, but it, it, is it fair to impose a no-deal Brexit on the people? Well, it's interesting. Um, people have heard nothing but no-deal Brexit for the last five weeks um, during the Conservative leadership campaign. Um, during this period, Labour, the opposition party, have been totally invisible and have not been making the case against the no-deal Brexit. And it's been left to people like Mark Carney, the governor of the Bank of England, to say no-deal Brexit is going to be very serious indeed for the economy. And Welsh farmers, um, Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister, was in Wales yesterday in Scotland the day before. Welsh farmers will be very seriously impacted by a no-deal Brexit. Um, and they've been making the case, but the public just hears no-deal Brexit, and it no longer seems to hold the terror that it once did. But, of course, the reality is that things haven't changed. Your expertise in EU law, is even this sort of area of uh, academia under threat, uh, under Brexit? <laughs> Well, I think we would say um, that we might teach EU law in a rather different way, but the fact is um, the entire body of EU law is going to be incorporated into UK law, to use a jargon term, it's going to be called EU retained law. And actually you need to understand quite a lot about the EU in order to be able to understand our own legislation giving effect to it. So there is a good argument that students still need to know it. Um, a lot of our students will go on to work in city law firms, who will be advising on EU and domestic law. And, of course, ultimately, the UK itself will have its own internal market. I mean, it's a rather lopsided internal market, but it will essentially mirror the EU's internal market. And so some of the techniques that um, the EU has done to manage the relations between what will be 27 states will need to be developed in the context of the UK to manage trade between England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland. So actually studying another system um, is actually very good for the students. But I can also hear your listeners say she's trying to keep her job, and there's some truth in that. Right. Um, what are the legal implications of potentially, say, a free trade deal with the United States and, and some of the other deals that uh, no doubt Prime Minister Johnson will have to oversee to mitigate the damage? Well, it tell, will tell us a lot about um, where the UK wants to align its interests to. So if the UK does do a comprehensive trade deal with the US, um, it will show that um, we will be aligning our interests to US standards, particularly over um, uh, agriculture and also animal welfare. And those standards are very different. It must be said significantly lower than the EU standards. And of course, if we're doing a trade deal with the US and those goods from the US will have access to the UK market, there's all the more reason for the EU to put up the barriers. It's also worth bearing in mind that um, even a trade deal with the US, New Zealand, Australia and Canada will be scarcely shift the dial on the loss of market access in respect to the EU because the EU is our biggest trading partner. And what about the protection of 
British institutions, like I mentioned earlier at the start of this interview, uh, the National Health Service? So, um, at first sight, the National Health Service won't be affected, but um, the concern for those who advocate um, for the integrity of the National Health Service is that the US won't do any trade deal with the UK unless um, the NHS market is opened up for US um, uh, pharmaceuticals, but also for US companies to buy bits of the NHS up. And it, then the risk is that some of American-style policies come into play in respect of healthcare, rather than British-style policies, which say essentially healthcare is free at the point of delivery. Thank you so much, Professor Bernard, for um, giving us pleasure. that overview. And good luck with not only the Brexit storm that seems to be coming, but um, your own faculties make up as well. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Professor Catherine Bernard, uh, the Faculty of Law at the University of Cambridge, as I said before, specialising in EU law.